pardon me while I stand up here and cough in front of you. We're uh, in week two of a series that we're calling Aiding and Abetting. We're learning a game plan for making a difference. And today I want to talk to you about uh, something that's in short supply today. And the thing that's in short supply today is people who know how to welcome someone who is different than them. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know you are different than me. You're sitting on the couch watching on Facebook Live. Turn to your son and say, man, you are really weird and different. We're going to read the passage of Scripture we're going to be looking at today from the the, uh, book of Ephesians in the New Testament. I want to invite you to stand with me. If you want to stand in your living room at home, feel free to do that as well. From the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in Ephesus talking about what Jesus does for us. I'll, I'll be on the screen. You can follow along. He, that's Jesus, came and preached, what's the word? Peace. To you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow, fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing out of respect for God's word. Well, as we jump into this, I want to kind of set the stage because if we're going to talk about people that are different than us, then we need to feel the reality of the fact that people are different than us. And if we had time, we, we could go around the room today and ask for you to tell a story of a time that somebody, because you were different than them, had some way that they pushed you away or they rejected you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a common human experience to have other people look at us as different and reject us as a result of it. And we all know what that feels like, right? We could all tell a story. Can you picture, remember that story in your own mind? Um, here's, if you're following along and you've got the sermon notes uh, that we're, your life groups will be using this week uh, for discussion, this is the first blank if you want to fill that in, and here it is, 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 this is the truth about difference. Difference is always near the root of division. Difference is always near the root of division. Now, I notice that those words are chosen very carefully. It's near doesn't have to be the cause, depends on what you do with the difference. How you treat the difference determines what the difference does. And so many of us have been through some experience where someone took the difference and used it as a way to push us away. Now, I want to talk to you today about how you can have a better practice that will help you to solve this problem uh, in your world and in our world. Now, I don't know if I can make the claim that, hey, if you do this, this will solve the entire problem in our society uh, because we are at each other's throats. I, I get kind of tired of getting on social media because it's just people yelling at each other and uh, doubling down on their opinion and their perspective, and it's kind of a depressing thing. And, and very honestly, no one seems to know how to fix it. We just know how to throw gas on it. 
This week, there was an ad by a shaving company. Uh, I, I watched the ad. I'm like, I'm, I'm not really quite sure why everyone's all up in arms about it, but I watched the ad, and, and it became this, uh, this firestorm that people threw gas on. They shouldn't have done this, and they should have said that. And, and I, I found that uh, where that all started was uh, someone in a, a media company from some other country found someone on Twitter who had 18 followers, and that person with 18 followers on Twitter uh, was mad about the ad, and they used that, and they said, people are up in arms over this ad. One guy with 18 followers. Uh, That was kind of the beginning of this. And what we need is a, a new widely accepted practice to help us heal the divisions that are happening in our our country and, and, and widely accepted practices can change societies. Now, we're, we're not used to this because this is such a, a part of how we operate, but there was a day when manners uh, and, and being polite, you know, saying please, saying thank you, um, were not the norm. Uh, in fact, before this was a, a, a society-wide thing that, you know, you, you say please and you say thank you and you save the grosser aspects of grooming for private, uh, there were people who did all kinds of things on the street corners that you would normally do down the hall in a special room designed for those kinds of things. Uh, there were even instances where people who were, uh, this was in England many years ago, um, where people who were members of parliament uh, were seen doing really disgusting things on the street corner. And someone said, we got to change this. This is gross. This is disgusting. And so they introduced the whole idea of, being, uh, of having manners. And, and what we, they found out is that when you say please or thank you, that's actually a way to love somebody by treating them with respect. And so we take that for granted. We take that very simple practice for granted. And if we could have a very simple practice that would help us to heal the division, that might bring some change to the society. And, and so last week we talked about how the fact that every one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a minister. You were, we commissioned you last week and said, now you are going to go minister in Jesus' name. And, and the reality is that every Christian is a minister, but not every Christian knows how to minister. Because while difference is always near the root of division, here's the next blank, welcome is always at the heart of healing. Division is always near the root of division, but welcome is always at the heart of healing. When you figure out how to welcome another human being, you are meeting a very basic need to feel welcomed in spite of our differences. Now, at the heart of human affairs, uh, we, we don't really know how to do this. We don't know how to welcome. Uh, in fact, we have a name for people who are different than us. Uh, we, we call them the other the other, the, the other person, some, someone that's different than you. And, and the reality is, is that all of us have people in our life who are different than us, and we don't always know how to welcome those people because they are other than us. They're not like me. They don't share my views. They come from a different background than me. And, and the, here's the truth, okay? Moment of honesty. Um, all of us have a list of people that just make us uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, you, have, you have people on your list that make you uncomfortable. Now, you've got to be honest about it and, and admit that, that those people exist. And I, I don't know what that list is like for you. I don't know. If you're around someone that has a lot of money and they let you know it, does that make you uncomfortable? You say, oh, that person's, they think they're better than me. If you're around someone who's poor, and it's obvious, does that make you uncomfortable? 
Uh, if you're around someone and they speak another language, should you go, oh, oh I know what those people are like. Uh, do you, if you're around someone that has some sort of physical defect or uh, they have autism or they have some sort of disability, maybe you, I don't know what to do with those people. I put them in a cat. I don't even talk to them. They make me uncomfortable. Uh, if, if someone comes from a, a different, they live in a different place, they live in a different neighborhood than you, maybe you have uh, the feeling of difference. Maybe if someone drives a car uh, different than you. I, I was with my wife on a date. Um, we, we have family that lives in the Dallas area, and um, we go there probably once or twice a year and, and, and see family. And, and my sister-in-law, my wife has a sister that lives there, and then my dad and sister live there and live right near each other. And <clears throat> we were out for a date in this town called Frisco. And Frisco is, uh, when I was in high school there in the Dallas area, uh, Frisco was literally a stop sign. I mean, there was nothing there but a, a, a stop sign and a few people driving pickup trucks and wearing cowboy hats. That, that was it. Now, it is one of the fastest growing cities in the country. It's just crazy. Everything's brand new. They've got um, dozens of schools, and uh, everything is brand spanking new. We, we were driving, and we, we've, uh, we had a Dodge Grand Caravan, uh, 2007. What? And, and um, <laughs> we drove it until we, my wife had a, a fender bender with, a, with a, a, a person, and then we had to get a 2008 Honda. What? And, and so we were driving our, our 2007 Dodge Grand Caravan, which to us is fine. You know, the doors both work and no big deal. And we were out on a date night in Frisco where everything's brand spanking new. And we pulled, in, uh, we pulled into the parking lot. And I got out, and I got, you know, because it's a date night, so I opened her door. And then we walked into the restaurant. And I looked around. And uh, there was an Audi and a BMW and a Mercedes and a Lexus. And our 2007 Dodge Grand Caravan. <laughs> and and I, I saw some people looking at us like, huh. And all of us have a list. That people that make us uncomfortable. Maybe the list is uh, if someone's in, in, uh, not in the union. Maybe your list is if someone is in the union. Uh, maybe, maybe old people make you uncomfortable. Maybe kids make you uncomfortable. Uh, maybe someone with an accent or different clothes than you. Maybe the color of somebody's skin makes you... Here, here's, here's a false way to deal with the fact that we all have a list. Moment of honesty, we all have a list. Uh, the false way to deal with this is to pretend like, well, there's no list. You know, today we want to pretend like we don't have a list and, and deny that you have a list and then shame anyone who wants to talk about the list and, and say, well, it doesn't exist. You shouldn't have lists today. You shouldn't have a group of people that you treat as other. Um, and, and that's really dysfunctional. You know, the, you know the key to having a dysfunctional family? If you want to have a dysfunctional family, two things that you have to do. You have to tell people that they can't feel what they're feeling and that they should never talk about what they're feeling. So if you want a dysfunctional family, there's the two happy rules. Good luck in 2019, right? But that's, that's dysfunctional, see? When you say, well, we don't, you, don't have, you have this list and you can't talk about this list, um, what you're doing when you say, well, it's not there, is you're, you're, admit, you're not admitting that there's a list and that causes part of the problem because if you can't talk about something, you can't heal that something. So we gotta talk about the thing that is hurting us. Now, let me, let me have another moment of honesty. I have a list. You're a pastor. You're not. You're supposed to like everybody. No, I have, I have a list. There are people that when I'm around them, I don't quite know what to do. They're different than me, and and they honestly they make me uncomfortable. Wait, wait, what? 
Now, you, you have that list too, right? You, just be honest. Who's on the list? Name it before God, not on Facebook. <laughs> and, and when you name it before God, that gives you the freedom to begin to heal it. And here's the reality. If you never name the people on your list, the people that are on your list feel it when they are around you. They feel your list. They feel like they're not welcome with you. I've felt, um, I've felt other people's list. Now, you got to understand my background. Um, my, my mom was, grew up in southeastern Arkansas in this teeny tiny place called Nady, Arkansas. I don't even know that you can Google Nady, Arkansas and find it. It's so little. There's nothing there. But her dad, uh, her name, his name was Mr. Bonner. He was uh, my granddaddy. He died when I was two or three years old, but everybody referred to him as, grand, as, as Mr. Bonner. And Mr. Bonner owed, owned hundreds of thousands of acres, but Mr. Bonner, um, Mr. Bonner had a third grade education. Had six kids. Uh, he was a farmer, a bean farmer. Uh, all my cousins are named Heath and Junior and Chuck, and <laughs> those are all my kin. They're my, they're my folk. And... Um, <laughs> I can do that because I'm from there. And so, but my, my granddaddy Bonner had a third grade education. My mom was the second person in her entire family line to ever go um, because they were part of this little Nazarene church in Nady, Arkansas. And that Nazarene church was connected to a, 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 a Nazarene a college in Bethany, Oklahoma. And somebody came from that Nazarene college in Bethany, Oklahoma to Nady, Arkansas. And my, mom, my mom's older sister uh, went there to go get a nursing degree because she wanted to do that. And then she paid for my mom to go. And my mom was the second person in her entire family line to go to college. My dad is from central Kansas, a little place called Lyons, Kansas, and his dad, um, John Marshall, uh, got a second grade education and worked in the salt mines that are not far from there. You eat some of the salt that's from there, you didn't know that. And then when that dried up, he went and worked for the railroad for years. And my dad was the, was the youngest of four, and he was the first in his family, that same uh, college. He was part of a Nazarene church in Lyons, Kansas, and that same college in Bethany, Oklahoma, Nazarene school, sent someone there one time, and he thought, man, that might be a way out for me. And my dad was the first person in his family to go to some kind of college. And my mom and my dad met there. And then my dad and mom felt like they were called to be missionaries. They went to be missionaries. And, and so I, I, don't, I don't come from educated people. I just don't, I don't come from that. Um, but then my parents just kind of put that in me from the time I was a second grader. Like, hey, you're going to go to college someday. It was never put into them. But they put it into me. And then my mom made me read books. And I was a nerd from the third grade on. So you got you to understand that about my background before I tell you what I'm, the story I'm going to tell you, okay? About difference here. And, and so, so stay with me. So uh, fast forward all the way, and, and when, you go to, when you go to school and you, you learn to like, communicate publicly, you, you, you're, you're kind of making an, a, a, a case or a reasonable case for someone to do something different. And, and what I was taught was that when you make that case, what you do is you quote people who, uh, who agree with you, and then people go, oh, see, other people believe the same thing. You're not the only person to come up with this, and so you quote these people. And so when I first came here, I would do that, and I would quote so-and-so and such-and-such, and such and and that's just what you do to support an argument, right? That's just how you, oh, other people think this too. It's not an attempt to do anything other than that. And someone told me, they said, well, um, when you do that, you, people think that you think that you're better than them because you're quoting all these educated people. I'm like, what? What are you, ta- what are you talking about? Yeah, 
You just think you're better than everybody else and you're smarter than everybody else. I'm like, what? What do you mean? And so while I'm thinking this is a leg that's supporting the argument, they think this is a leg of a table I'm taking and I'm using to beat people and prove that I'm better than other people. Now, now who was right in that? Was I right? Were they right? No, neither of us were. What was happening? We were just different. And difference is always near the root of division. It's what you do with the difference that causes the division. And I've felt, I've felt someone else's list. And I know here's the reality. Someone else has felt my list. And, and I got bad news for you. You are on somebody else's list. You're someone else's other. <laughs> like I don't, I, when she comes in the room, I just can't stand her. So this is why Paul wrote this, this passage that we're looking at in, in the letter he wrote to the Christians in Ephesus. And, and he gives us these lists. And, and you need to understand a little bit of the background. Um, he's writing to people who are Jews and who are Gentiles. Now, that may not mean anything to us, but Jews and Gentiles were at opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, the Jews saw themselves as the people of God, and they saw the Gentiles, anyone who was not a Jew, as people who were away from God, and they saw themselves as God's very own possession, and they saw the Gentiles as the people that God was driving out. They even had words and language and religious ceremonies to say that they were clean, and then the other people were unclean, so they were Gentiles and there were Jews and there were these deep, deep differences that literally caused them to exclude each other. And even in the design of their religious buildings, they excluded people because they, they bought into the, the reality that the difference is the heart of the division, right? It's right there and they bought right into it. And I've got a picture here of how the temple, the, the ancient Israelite temple, because the, the religion of Judaism is centered around the worship of the temple in Jerusalem. And so you can kind of see right here all these different courts. And there was in, this, in the middle was uh, the inner court and that's where only the men could go and only the priests could go and there were levels of exclusion only the men could go in that inner court and the women could only come to where it said court of women and then outside that was what was you can see right there what was known as the court of the gentiles and it got so the difference got so inflamed at times that they would put an armed guard at the gate leading into that court of women into the inside because they didn't want any gentile to come in and there were instances in history where someone would be killed a gentile would be killed because they were trying to get in they're like i want to worship god too they're like you're not one of us you're the other. Stay out. And there was bloodshed that happened over, uh, over this uh, sense of division. And so Paul lists here the kind of feelings and emotions that we have when we exclude other people here. And if you go a little further back in this passage that we read, we're going to put this whole screen, whole, whole verse on the, on the screen right here. Can you throw that up for me with all of those words? And I'm going to call out those things in the highlights. And so he, he says, uh, you are a Gentile by birth. This is one of the ways we do this. We say, you were born that way. You're different than me. You were born in a different place. You were born in Valpo. I hate you. They were called the uncircumcised. So what we do is we label the other person. We give them a name, and then that way we can write them off. Like, you're a woman. You're too skinny. You're Hispanic. Whatever whatever it is, we, we label the person, and we give them a name. And then, then it feels like you're separated, and we separate the other person from life because they're different. And then you're excluded. You're like, we exclude the other from belonging. You're like, you belong to different people than I do. You're different than me. And we make them a foreigner to the promise. We label them again. You're an outsider. You're without hope. You know, it's great to be me, but it's terrible to be you, right? It sucks to be you. Great to be me. You're far away. You're like, you're not my problem. 
You're somebody else's problem. Um, this, is, this, is, this, is, uh, this is what our differences always do. And if we don't face our list, the other becomes an it. And th- that's why we can't talk to each other today. Because the people who vote different than us, remember it? Christmas or Thanksgiving and you had a, had a really pleasant conversation with someone who voted differently than you and, and you thought, man, they're so smart and so witty and so insightful. Wow. No, no, no. We've characterized the people who are different than us as an it. They've stopped being human beings and they're an it. And when we treat someone as an it, it's easy to do something to them that you'd never let happen to you. So you can justify any behavior or action because they aren't actually people. You say, well, we'd never do that. Well, it's in our history. We did. Tomorrow's Martin Luther King Day. The office will be closed out of respect for what he did. But these are some of the pictures. I just found some of how we treated an other as an it. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You, you, you may say, well, you're not, you're not being fair. You're trying to hold us responsible for something in the... No, I'm not, I'm not trying to hold you responsible for what happened in the past. I'm just I'm showing you that as a reminder of what always happens when we don't check the difference in our hearts. This is just, that's always the end of it. That scene has been repeated throughout human history. This is the human story. We exclude the other because difference is always near the root of division. Well, what do we do? I'll tell you what we do. We follow Jesus. Paul says that Jesus changes everything. Jesus deals with the difference in our hearts. And so this, the passage that we read at the beginning is the different list, right? We're going to put this up here again uh, so you can see this with the words in bold. Notice the difference between the way the words were, right? Now you're in Christ, and now you're brought near, and now he's our peace, and he's made the two groups one, and he's destroyed the barrier, and he's set aside all the things that were against you, and he's created one new humanity out of the two, and he's made peace, and he's reconciled both of us to God and he's put to death the hostility and he's preached peace and through him we have access. Do you see the difference of the, what Jesus does? Our, our words are excluded, foreigner, without, nobody. With Jesus it's reconciled, brought near, not a difference, the same because Jesus himself came and made the difference and made you bring, brought you close together. Now you can understand what Paul is saying here in this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, he's talking about us and God, right? He's saying that God does not see you as an other to exclude. You are not on God's list because this is what Jesus does. He builds bridges instead of erecting barriers. He welcomes you. And if you didn't know and you don't have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, today the door is open to you. Come in. There's a seat at the table. You belong. You are no longer an outsider. You are in because of Jesus. It's the beautiful message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that, that he does that for us. So it's about us and God, but you've got to understand, it's also about us and the people on our list. Since God has done this for me, I am to do this for you. 
you are a minister and as a representative of Jesus in this hurting world full of people for all kinds of reasons who allow difference to grow and become division. As a representative of Jesus, I do for others what God has done for me. If you are going to be a minister, then you are going to do for other people what Jesus has done for you. And you're going to put welcome at the heart of how you operate toward other people. Because welcome is always at the heart of healing. And if you want to know what welcome is, welcome means welcoming who Jesus welcomed. And, and the reality, if you've read the Gospels, is there wasn't a person Jesus did not welcome. Jesus welcomes me. Now, you, at some point when you begin to follow Jesus, you recognize and realize that everybody is a me. And that radical welcome is the heart of Jesus' approach. So, so I wanted to break this down. I wanted to make this, is this practical and so you could walk out of here this week and say, oh, okay, I can start to do that. I can start to welcome people who are different than me. And how, how, would I might, how might I go about doing that? And so I wanted to take it out of a kind of a conscious competence so that we could actually do it this week. And I want to use a metaphor. Um, and, and the metaphor is when someone comes over to your house for a visit. Now I get that there used to be a day when that was normal and uh, that you would have people that would drop by your house. That doesn't happen as much today. It used to be that when someone would drop by your house, you would walk, ding dong, you would walk right to the door, oh, come on in, and you would, your mom would have something sitting on the kitchen counter for them to eat, and you'd sit down and have coffee, and you would talk, and now today when someone rings the doorbell, you're like, shut all the lights off. You're like, who is that? <laughs> Who's there? <laughs> it's like we live in a different day, right? I get that. I get that. But, but I want to suggest that that metaphor of someone coming to your house and that you're going to open the door for is actually a metaphor for helping us understand how we could welcome other people. Because here's, here, here, here's how it works, right? Um, and it's the blanks that you're going to fill in right there. What you do, it, it goes like this, and then I'll unpack this for you. First, you have to decide to open the door, right? Then you invite them in. Then you make them comfortable, and then you talk with them and you get to know them and then you share what you have. Uh, let, me, let me just unpack this for a minute because uh, the goal is that your list, my list, would become irrelevant and, and my list may be where I came from but it doesn't have to be where I am going. I don't have to hold on to that list and say I'm going to always treat people different because they're, not, they're on my list. So the first thing you have to do is you have to decide to open the door and you, you have to be aware that you have a list but you never get to know anyone you don't open the door to, Right? If you never open the door and you decide, I'm not going to talk to anyone who's different than me, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a national crisis because we just don't know how to talk to someone on the other side. And we have opinions without relationships, and that's what inflames the difference. It's what's causing the inflammation in the body of our culture is we don't know how to even open the door. You know that feeling when you, you're not quite sure who's at the door and you go to open the door? And, and you know how someone comes to your door, this still happens, someone comes to your door to sell something, like there's a kid and he's got a card and, and you, maybe you have them stand right there and you open the door and you push the door slightly open and talk to them a little bit. Maybe that's as far as you get, but at least that's a step. 
So you got to decide, first I'm just going to open the door and then I might be open to actually talking to a person who's different than me. And then, then you welcome them in. And the way that you welcome them in is you go back to what Jesus did for you and you recognize there is no us and them. That is a ma- those are made up categories. That there's us and there's them. There's not. There's just us. According to God's perspective, there's just all mess of us, of you and me, and then Jesus who came to rescue the mess. Can I get an amen for that? So there's, there's no us in them. There's, there's, those are made-up categories. And, and I'll give you two examples from the ministry of Jesus. Um, Jesus one day is walking through, and he sees a, a little man in a tree. His name is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is the arch tax collector. In other words, he's, he's the one who collects all the taxes. Now I understand the government shut down. I understand you don't like the IRS anyway. Uh, but this is, this is that on steroids. This was a person who sold out to the Romans and said, yeah, I'll go collect money from my own people on behalf of your oppressive regime. No problem. I'll benefit from it personally. This was a sellout. This is someone everyone hated. This was the guy that was the part of the problem. And Jesus is walking in and Zacchaeus is, because he's short, he climbs up in this tree and, and, Zac- and Jesus looks up into the tree and we used to sing a song about this when I was a kid in Sunday school and, and he looked up into the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house today. That man was the other. And Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house. Um, if you know the list of the disciples, the 12 disciples, and you, if you've ever paid attention to that list, um, on the list of Jesus' 12, the, the people Jesus himself handpicked to be his followers were two people. There was Matthew, who was also a tax collector like Zacchaeus, and there was Simon the Zealot. Now, we read that, and we just skip right over that. It means absolutely nothing to us. But here's, here's the reality. You had the far right aggressively far right and aggressively violent far left. I mean, this is, this is exact. The, the, the zealots were the people who carried daggers around and they were looking for someone to stab in the name of overthrowing the oppressor. And Jesus picks both of them to be his disciple. If we're up to you and me, we'd be like, well, I'm only going to pick people who are Republicans to be disciples. I'm only going to pick Democrats who are people. I'm only going to pick people with my color of skin. I'm only going to pick people from my background. I'm only going to pick people who see the world. I See, we wouldn't do that. Jesus picked opposing people with radical differences, and he made them both his disciples. And you need to understand this. Jesus welcomes the people that are on your list. Let that sink in for a second. And, and then, you, you, when you, you open the door, and then you welcome them in, and then you make them comfortable. That means you, you invite them in, and you, you have them sit down, and you say, hey, take your shoes off, you know, take a load off. And, and you let them sit on your couch. I, I think it would be a radical thing, uh, and we would destroy a lot of barriers in our country if we would just let someone sit on our couch. I think you could overcome a lot of barriers just by having someone come into your house, literally, that's different than you, and sit on your couch. This lady in our church growing up, her name was Lee, 
and Lee Thompson. They lived kind of out in the country, and we would have to drive out to her house, and um, we would go down this long driveway, and we would pull up to her house, and it was always the same. Um, she would open the door. She'd do this whole process. She would open the door, and she would invite us in, and then she would make us feel comfortable. And I knew when I went to Lee Thompson's house that I was always welcome. She made me feel comfortable. And then you actually talk. You see, you have to, if you're going to get to know someone, you're going to welcome someone who's different than you, then you actually have to talk to them, and you have to actually ask them questions about themselves. And then you listen to their story. Huh, why, why was it like that for you? And you seek to understand them. And then, you, once you've done that, you know, someone comes in your house, and then you share what you have. Hey, let's, hey, I've, I've got some, I made some cookies. You want to come in here to the kitchen? I made some cookies, and uh, I made these brownies, and they're not very good, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Another word for this, and I didn't use this word on purpose until now because it kind of has these connotations that we get lost in. Another word for welcome is hospitality. But we tend to think about that like you have the ability to make coffee, and I guess that's part of it. But Take off the why off the word hospitality. What word do you have? Hospital. What's a hospital? It's space where you can go to heal. Right? A couple times we've had a gentleman and his wife uh, come here, and they've done a marriage seminar, and some of you were part of that. You've been here around long enough to be a part of that. Um, And their name is Ken and Beverly Jenkins. And Ken and Beverly are black. And when I was pastoring in St. Louis, uh, I was sitting in my office one day, and we're trying really hard as a church to be a racially reconciled church. You know, like the church ought to reflect the community racially, and we're trying really hard to do that. And um, I, 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 this knock is on the door one day, knock, 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 and I go out to the door, and there's these glass doors, and uh, there was, who I didn't know at the time, Ken and his wife, I didn't know them, I opened the door, and they introduced themselves, you know, we're Ken and we're Beverly, and we're pastors here in the area, and, and uh, we, we do a lot with marriages, and, and we're looking for a place uh, that we could have couples come and we could do counseling with couples and uh, I just I immediately said I said yeah sure and I said come, come with me and we walked down the hall and I showed him a room and uh, maybe you're not supposed to do this but I did this and I gave him a key I said here you can have this key and you can come in and out and I had no idea when I opened that door to them what would come of that. Because maybe you were here when Ken came. I think it was for the first time. And, and I, didn't, I didn't ask, you know, Ken, where'd you grow up and where are you from? And, and he came and he stood right here on this stage and he said these words. And if you were here, you remember this. You remember how powerful this was. He says, uh, you know what? I grew up in Gary. I didn't know this when I opened the door. I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and my dad was a serviceman for Sears, and my dad would come over to Portage sometimes, and people, white people, would call Sears and say, don't you dare send a colored man to my house, and my dad had to go back, and we never in our life came into Portage. Now, Ken's in his late 40s. He said, this is the first time in my life that I have been in Portage. 
And he said, you've been so, listen, he said, you've been so welcoming to me. It healed something in me to be here. Listen, guys, I had no idea that would happen years before that when I just opened the door. I didn't know that opening the door for someone different than me would result in their healing and my healing. I had no clue. And I guess what I'm saying to you is, listen, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, then this has to be your operating system. You can't not be your operating. You have to go around going, I'm going to welcome people. I'm not going to buy into the narrative that I have to exclude people because they're different than me. I'm not going to participate in that anymore. I'm done. And when someone around me in my circle goes, well, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go, you know what? I just don't really want to do that anymore. Because when we welcome people... <laughs> give them space for the God who loves them to bring healing into their life. I want to pray for you because, uh, because this is really hard to do. This is, this, uh, this is one of those things that just kind of bubbles under the surface, right? Because we just go around all the time and people are different than us and we have filters we're not even aware of that we put out there for other people. Oh, you're not in the union? Mm. Oh, you're black? Oh. All the time. And this is, this, is, I'm, this is what I'm praying for, is that this is a moment when the scales fall off of your eyes and you go, oh. I see the light. I'm an agent of Jesus, and so I, my job is to welcome people who are different than me. Let me pray for you, okay? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you welcomed us. Of anyone, you could have a list you know us. You know all that's messed up with us, all that's broken inside of us. And of anybody, if anybody has the right to exclude us, it would be you, and yet you don't. You come and you offer your body for us on the cross to make the two groups who are at odds into one, to create a new humanity church and so God we want to be done we want to change our minds we want to repent about this issue we want to stop if that means we stop posting stuff on Facebook if that means we stop getting into arguments with people over their politics or their views we want to stop that we want to cut it out we want to quit because of your love that's come to us we found out that you did not exclude us and so because you did not exclude us we cannot exclude anyone else. So God, with this, um, this weightiness um, that we all feel in the room, it's your spirit asking us to be your representatives. We say okay. 
we release the fear, the hatred, the prejudice, we release it. And we instead receive your grace and your compassion and your mercy for us. And we ask you to make us into conduits of your grace and your mercy and your compassion for the people around us in the next 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, week, month, and year. In your name we ask for this, and we're going to need all of your spirit to do it. We pray this in your name. Amen. I'm going to send you out with a blessing, and I invite you to stand. Receive this blessing. You're sent now to love the God that loved you when you deserve, you and I deserved to be on a list, but loved us anyway. You're sent to love people in Jesus' name, serve the world in his name. Hug someone, tell them you love them. See you next week.